horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. All right, and welcome, and I uh, appreciate you joining us. I hope that uh, you not only are a regular listener, but you told your friends, hey, tune in. Check out Winning Ponies because uh, it's not a bad show at all. At least they get good guests. <laughs> they ignore the host, but uh, everything else is good about it. But anyhow, I'm John Engelhart. Thanks for joining us. This is Winning Ponies. And uh, we're going to do some national news here at the top after I introduce you to my guests. Uh, take a look at how we did uh, handicapping this week. And uh, we will just take it from there. As you know, uh, so many eyes are on the tracks right now. We heard that Golden Gate's going to open. I heard, though, that Penn Gaming is going to close their racing entities. Uh, now, uh, several other tracks uh, have been given the green light. Santa Anita is going to race this weekend. And guess who else? That's right. Horses will be going around the oval under the Twin Spires at Churchill Downs. So we thought we'd brought bring in their publicity guru, Kevin Kirsting, who we had on oh, about a month ago or so uh, when things were kind of popping up uh, down at Churchill, and finally they came to, to fruition. Uh, so the horses were uh, shipping in all week long. They kind of came in waves. Uh, different regions were given the days that they were to show up so they didn't have, you know, 2,000 horses show up uh, on opening day for the backstretch so they've been bringing the horses in want to ask kevin how that went uh how people are doing with the uh the protocols have been set in place and uh pretty much the amazing cards that they're going to have uh during their first uh, few days of racing and throughout uh the stakes program very strong and uh also what's new there is the jockey colony, we've got guys that didn't ride there on a regular basis that will, uh, Jose Ortiz, uh, John Velasquez is there, Javier Castellano, I'm trying to think, the, the list is a long one, Joe Talamo's there now, so, you know, a lot of people that used to ride at uh, different circuits uh, now well, you want to go where the money is, and the money's still good at Churchill Downs. So uh, Kevin's going to update us on that. He's also going to update us on the fact that they have added derby races. So we'll ask him which ones those are and how the decision was made uh, to land on certain races. Obviously, timing and class of the races. There will be races that uh, have never been included before because they always took place after the first Saturday in May. So uh, Kevin will address those things and then we'll be talking to another Kentuckian, uh, the one, the only Ed Meyer. And, uh, you know, Ed is... Uh, he's, Always done a lot of things at the races, but how I met him and got to know him uh, was through just being a regular guy at the races and handicapping, and he is just thrilled to have Churchill back. So I know he's handicapped the whole card uh, for Saturday. Uh, that's going to be the first day. Uh, the, uh, the, the the Sunday one is good, too. Uh, so uh, 
we will uh, go probably look at four races at Churchill. Now, no stakes races, but what you're going to see is uh, horses that are dropping way down or used to run it against better just because they need a race. Uh, got Stormy, uh, who just is coming off a grade one win, is going to be running in a $75,000 race down at Gulfstream because Mark Cassie uh, said, look, uh, you know, he's feeling good. He's running. That's what these horses were made to do. That's what I train him to do. And, uh, they're not going to pay me $75,000 for a morning workout. So I might as well go in against the competition. So, uh, Ed's going to update us on his views of what's happening there and, uh, in around some of the States he's worked in. Of course, Ed's done everything. Uh, last, uh, Position, of course, was as a racing official in the Bluegrass State of Kentucky. So he's pretty tied on to what's going on down there. So uh, let's uh, move on with some of the things that we'll be talking about with Kevin for sure is the daily average at Churchill Downs is going to be 559000 And if you like full fields, if you like going shopping for price horses, they're going to be there because almost every race has uh, also eligibles in. The one that doesn't, it will probably be the first one we'll look at with Ed, is uh, an optional claimer going one mile and in there. That's right. The filly that won the Breeders' Cup Distaff last year won six of seven of her starts, all of them graded stakes races. She won the start she wasn't given credit for, but they say that she was drifting in and out and impeded Midnight Bizu. Anyhow, last year's champion, Philly Mayor Monomoy Girl, will be starting in the fourth race and allowance optional claiming, just underlying the class of horses that are searching out for a place to run. And uh, they will have plenty to run for, but not right away. So you got to find their spot. I mean, uh, the, the stake schedule is going to have uh, 16 races uh, totaling $2.2 million. Uh, a, a great day uh, is uh, coming up uh, soon, the uh, Stephen Foster Preview Day, uh, where they're going to run the Matt Wynn Stakes. I know that that's a new Derby Points race. Uh, also, the $100,000 Blame, I believe that's a new one. Uh, the $100,000 Shawnee for Phillies and Mares. And a race named after one of my favorite Phillies and Mayors, Teppin, $100,000. And th that's all Stephen Foster preview day. Now, uh, if you're looking for the races that they're previewing for, well, you go to June 27th, and that is Stephen Foster Day, where they're going to run the grade two, half a million dollars Stephen Foster. That's for the older boys, for the most part. Uh, and then the grade two Fleur de Lis, uh, that one for the Phillies and Mayors at a mile and an eighth. And then the grade three Regret for horses that just turned three and that would be Phillies. Now that is on the grass. And of course, we've got to finally get those two year olds in the starting gate, the hundred thousand dollar Bashford Manor. Again, getting ahead of myself, but just giving you an idea of some of the things that are coming up at Churchill Downs. And again, that'll be Saturday, June twenty seventh. So uh, in the meantime, a lot of the top trainers have already, you know, uh Shipped in Hall of Famers, uh, Steve Asmussen, Mark Cassie, as you know, Brad Cox, absolutely on fire. And I'm guessing Ed and I may 
hone in on one of his horses in some of the races we're going to pick. And you know, I told you about how many horses are trying to get in. Well, it, just Sunday, for example, 171 horses went through the entry box. Uh, that's an astounding average field size of 11 point nine with only one race that doesn't have horses on the also eligible so dying for a place to win and uh, uh, of course you can go online and you know read about the wagering menu um, you know every day is going to start off with the the 50 cent pick fives and pick fours with the uh, the low takeout uh, 50 cent pick five in the first five races every day so you'll want to get on top of that in case you're having a hard time ferreting out all these horses are coming in from all different places go to winningponies.com and we got our easy win forms of course not that many tracks are running right now so we've really been honing in on uh gulf stream and tampa bay downs uh let's see it was uh back on may 7th we had a one dollar super five key that paid 856 at gulf stream but on the same day, we had a $1 Super 5 that paid 1364 Now, Tampa Bay, uh, we did have a 50-cent pick three that paid 300 But we also had a $1 Super 5 box that paid 2651 So if you're having a hard time getting through these full fields, go to winningponies.com. Pull down the easy win forms. They're inexpensive, but they pay for themselves, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, that's just a, you know, a lot of things that are happening uh, mainly at, uh, at, at Churchill Downs. Of course, all these tracks now have quarantine protocols, uh, on-site daily check-ins, social distancing, uh, distancing, I should say. And, uh, uh, you know, we've got uh, horses and personnels very limited. Uh, the jockey's room, they are got to be at least six feet apart. And with all the space, with no, you know, people in the grandstand, they may even – dedicate another room somewhere to uh, the jocks so they have more uh, more room. And, uh, of course, as we're seeing these other tracks uh, pop up, these same protocols are everywhere, uh, cleaning, employee training. But, you know, the access restrictions, just no fans or media allowed at the track. So I guess we got to depend on each track's own uh, media outlet to get our information. Somebody's got to get it out. Absolutely no guests, no congregating. Uh, the uh, the clockers can only be in a very very specific area. Uh, only trainers and horsemen uh, that have horses at the track will be there. Uh, so uh, anyhow, get used to it, folks. That's what's going to be happening for a while till we can get the fans back in the stands. Now you know, last year the the uh, champion British Indian Indium, uh, the champion Philly, turns out that trainer Brad Cox found an ankle chip in her right front ankle now nowhere near career ending i uh, just remember this three-year-old daughter flashback won the breeders cup juvenile phillies in november and uh the top man dr larry bromledge uh said that uh, should be easy to take care of and cox expects british idiom uh to resume campaigning this fall uh but it'll likely prevent her from competing in the top race for three-year-old fillies which of course will be the september 4th 
Kentucky Oaks the day before the September 5th Kentucky Derby. Didn't have a whole lot to uh, handicap last week, unlike this week. But we did go down and take a look at the sunshine forever on the turf. And going wire to wire with Louis Sayez in the saddle was Halliday. And uh, Halliday put in a huge buyer jump in its start just before this in an optional claimer, 100 grand. She is now three for three at Gulfstream. Look for those horses that like the courses, ladies and gentlemen. In the second spot was Aquaphobia. And third was Social Paranoia, who made a nice run. You know, it's another Pletcher trainee. He almost got the exacta just too late for Social Paranoia. All right. That's a look at uh, what's been going on. And uh, we're going to get up close and personal with what's happened at Churchill Down with Kevin Kirstein. Going to take a little bit of a break. We'll be right back here on Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll free. 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you have any tips or comments you'd like to share any questions we would be happy to answer contact us now back to the show Winning Ponies with John Inglehart all right, and with me, uh, Kevin Kirstein from uh, Churchill Downs, the publicity guru, who's going to be a very, very uh, busy man in the months ahead. And uh, we spoke briefly off the air, uh, off air, and uh, one of the things I was wondering, because I we, we just read some of the restrictions, and, and Kevin, one, one of the restrictions in the protocols is that absolutely no media is is allowed on the grounds. So uh, I guess you're representing everybody now. It's, it's a lot of pressure for me. And, uh, you know, certainly we would love to have, you know, owners and media there. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a relief to us all that we're finally being able to get back up and running. And so I'm trying to wear 
a lot of hats in the morning because we don't have our social media team that's there as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm okay with technology, but not the best. So I, you know, invested in a, a couple of microphones and a, a tripod for my cell phone to try and do some winter circle interviews with trainers and jockeys after races, of course, being socially distant. So that's why the, hence the microphones that I had to buy in additional to that. But uh, it'll be uh, an interesting couple of weeks, and we're just glad to get things back up and going. Yeah, I, I did notice, you know, I, I think one of the leaders in showing us uh, how to do things well um, is uh, uh, was uh, Oaklawn Park. And I, and I noticed that after the races, uh, it was just funny to see the interviewer standing about eight feet away from, I'll just say, Steve Asmussen. And, uh, you know, she's asking him the questions. It was just like, you know, all these years where we've had, you know, a, a bumblebee hive around the winning connections uh, to see one person standing <laughs> eight feet away from the person that just won uh, a graded stakes race. It's it's really different. So you will at least be allowed down in the winner's circle after the races to get some info. Yeah, so that's, you know, the good thing. And I'm, uh, I'm allowed on the front side in the mornings. And essentially what our protocols are is we want to have, you know, we were looking at so many different employees shipping into Churchill Downs from different jurisdictions. And so working with state and local officials, the best plan that we came up with is only the people that are in primary care of the horses should be allowed on the backside because they will be getting a COVID-19 test. Everyone that walks on the backside will get a COVID-19 test. You know, should they test positive, there's certain restrictions and quarantine protocols that will then go into place. But Everyone that goes on the backside gets a, a COVID-19 uh, test. And then people on the front side, such as racing office officials and uh, Darren Rogers and myself in the publicity department and a very, very small other front side staff, we all get our temperature taken daily and uh, getting track of that. But it's really trying to make sure we separate, separate the, the two populations that are on the racetrack and, and making sure the backside is only going to be meant for people taking care of the horses. Well, you know, the whole thing is we only need a couple people to screw this up for us because, you know, the state will swoop in and say, hey, you're not following the protocols. You said you would uh, no more live racing. So you, we've really got to police ourselves. I, I know we're all eager to like as a media person myself to to get the story or to get the photo. Um, you know, and of course, I feel that we always get our best information on the backstretch you know, in and around the morning works and that's kind of limited now, but I guess you could still call the trainer and, and talk to him that way, even though you're not face to face with them. Uh, though there's so many benefits of being, you know, looking somebody in the eye when you're asking them the questions. And it's so true. And, and that's how, you know, I've learned the last couple of years and it's just a, a, it's almost like a respect thing with trainers because, you know, you're showing up at the same time that they are to work you're around them, you see the hard work that's putting in, and then you essentially get a lot more in-depth information that I've found when you're doing face-to-face contact because you, you know, you get their facial expressions, you get, you know, the inflection in their voice, and you can see how excited they are about a horse or how nervous or, you know, just different uh, types of emotions that they're feeling when you're asking a question. And doing things over the phone is different, but, you know, I think we're all going to figure out in the next, you know, coming weeks that we're going to, figure this out obviously we'd love to have owners and media on site uh but you know we just we can't right now and uh you know hopefully the day will come and the 
the near future that we can have that. Life will go back to sort of a, a new normal as what it was uh, before the COVID-19 pandemic struck. But, you know, just we're learning to live with uh, what we have now and just so thankful that racing has returned. Kevin, even from your uh, front side view, uh, what was the feeling when, when you got to uh, look out of the, the press area or wherever you were at the time to start seeing horses back in training? Oh, it was such a relief. You know, I was there for maybe two days since March 13th, and that's when we started working from home. And I came in on what would have been a Kentucky Oaks Day and Kentucky Derby Day. And it was just such an eerie silence at the racetrack. And where you're sort of used to that in the mornings when you show up very early for training. But you know that there are horses and there are people there. But it was just such an eerie silence. And it just really struck you emotionally when you walked into to the racetrack because there was nobody there. And then uh, all of a sudden on Monday when horse fans started to roll down Oakdale Avenue and turning into the new stable gate at Churchill, it was just a sigh of relief for everyone because it was such uh, a difficult time the last two months to be able to get to this point where we're finally being able to open and allow these trainers and, and their employees to come back home. You know, horsemen lead such a nomad lifestyle that they're away for nearly four months every year, but the other eight months they're usually calling Kentucky home. And so when they go away those four months, a lot of people are leaving their families away, uh, but they have that sort of internal clock when it strikes April 1st that they know they're finally able to return home, sleep in their bed, and see their families, and they didn't get that this year, and it just threw a lot of people uh, for a loop, and uh, just being finally able to come back home, it was just a, a giant sense of relief that you could see from everyone. We're speaking with Kevin Kirstein uh, from Churchill Downs. You know, Kevin, that was uh, a very insightful of you. Uh, because uh, that's something I, I haven't heard brought up or, quite frankly, considered myself. Because we do get into the rhythm of life when we're in the world of racing. Uh, the anticipation of a new meet and then being there for the longevity of it. And then the the, the fall activities of where we're going to go and ship to next or, you know, how we change our rhythm. And uh, I haven't taken that into account or really seen anybody write about that. So, uh, so interesting that, like, for instance, Chris Landeros, who had probably one of the most difficult winters of any jockey in the entire country going on a winless streak, he was away from his wife and two young sons for the last six weeks, and he literally rode the last race at Gulfstream Park on Sunday night and drove 16 straight hours back to Churchill Downs to get his COVID-19 test because he didn't want to be away from his family any longer. And that's so true of so many of those people. And that's the type of uh, excitement that they felt that they were finally able to come home because they were away from their families for so long. And so it's just great to see everyone being reunited and, and then racing starting on Saturday. And boy, it's a, it's a very exciting two days of racing that we've drawn so far. Well, uh, the flip side of the being with your family coin uh, is going to play to your benefit. Uh, you've got uh, some new faces in the Jacks room, and they're very popular ones. I'll tell you what, our Jacks colony is going to be just unbelievable. We're essentially having the entire riding colonies from the tracks in Indiana, Ohio, and New York coming into Kentucky with our very strong jocks colony that 
is all showing up in under one roof, and we have nearly 50 jocks that will be riding on Sunday's card. That includes the likes of Jose Ortiz and Joel Rosario, Javier Castellano, you know, the top of the top elite jockeys. They're joining our already elite room of Corey Lannery, Brian Hernandez Jr., Julian Leperu, those type of jockeys. So it's extremely competitive for all these people to get mounts. You know, even though we've seen 172 entries on Sunday's program, for instance, and 164 on Saturday, you know, there are jockeys that are elite-level riders that are only getting a couple of bouts because it's so difficult with so many people in town and so many different outfits that are uh, coming into the ground to, to run these opening couple of days just to get business. So it's, you know, a jockey's race that we always see Corey Lannery that wins usually in the spring meet. Uh, the trainer's side, we always see Steve Atkinson, and the owners, we're always going to see Ken and Sarah Ramsey or Maggie Moss, and that could all change in this spring meet this year. All right, Kevin, get your pen out, and uh, this is coming from an old-timer at the track. Right now we're going to we're gonna play a little game of one-question Jeopardy, and that is also joining the Jackie Colony at, uh, at Churchill Downs will be did you get in a car accident you okay yeah i'm good i, I hear you okay it sounds like you're in the wind or something um oh. uh, all right so for five hundred dollars the jeopardy question is one jockey that does not ride regularly at churchill downs that will be riding there this weekend on several mounts is the sixth leading jockey in the history of racing name that jockey the sixth leading jockey in the history of racing, Johnny Velasquez. Nope. No? Okay. Nope. Um, sixth leading jockey in history, Perry Hughes. Yes! Ding, 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 ding! You got it. You could go Love to the next Perry. round. <laughs> well done. How great well is that, that we, we see Perry Hughes, who is the absolute Iron Man of of your neck of the woods coming down the ride. It's, it's great. And he, you know, he gets a couple of sporadic mounts here and there, maybe in the fall meet when Ohio's not running for a day, but I love to see Perry Utes on that overnight. I'm so glad you got that, Kevin. I just, you just moved way up on the respect chart, uh, from my perspective. I can tell you that now, uh, he's riding, uh, uh, for Barb Riley, uh, and who, both, he, it's kind of a family thing. Uh, Barb Riley was always next to Billy Conley. He was always next to the Corden Brocks. And, and his wife worked uh, uh, for all three of those outfits to some extent. And uh, now that uh, Billy Conley uh, ha has moved on, uh, uh, that uh, she's probably tied in with Barb Riley. And uh, so he's going up to ride with somebody very familiar. But that's who he's been galloping and working out horses at Turfway Park all winter. As you know, he's coming off a mm, nine-month layoff, maybe. They, of course, for the third time in his life, they told him he'd never ride again. And uh, I believe if my math is right, he is 66 years old. That's unbelievable. <laughs> the, my favorite Perry Ute story is when he got in that motorcycle accident a couple of years ago and then went to River Downs to ride and had a winner. I mean, nope. this, this guy's unbelievable. He didn't have a winner. He rode both ends of the double that day. <laughs> <laughs> just the, the, the toughness of these jockeys is unbelievable. And the one thing that I want you to watch out for, because I feel like you will really get uh, a kick out of this. And so 
watch when Perry gets led into the gate on that mount because I want to see if Billy Connolly is leading him into the gate because since he has stepped away from training, he's been working with our Church Downs gate crew. And so I would love to see Billy Connolly lead, lead Perry Ortiz's horse into the gate. That would be fantastic because uh, he, he's been giving him a leg up for about 30 years and I've had a chance uh, uh, to witness it. That That's great. You know, young man, you have really done your homework. I love it. I really do. Now here's something and I've been cruising around. I know I got your press release on this and, and I don't know where it went, but anyhow, I don't know if you've got it in front of you, but if you can kind of tell me the process and uh, at least name a couple of the races uh, that the powers to be at Churchill Downs had to come up with to determine new points races to get into the Kentucky Derby because uh, you're, you're getting in water that you've never gone in before. Yeah, it certainly is. It's really uh, trying to figure out, you know, the last you know, six or so weeks of, you know, what tracks are going to be coming back online and start running again, but then working with them to figure out where they are going to place their snake schedule and figuring out how that will fit into the September 5th Kentucky Derby. And obviously the overarching point of uh, all of the decisions is trying to get the best 20 horses possible into the starting gate for the first Saturday in September. And, you know, trying to, figure that out in these, you know, unknown times of, of where racing is going to start and uh, where these races are going to to end up landing was, you know, a difficult process, but we've landed with right now a lot of opportunities on uh, each of the, the regions that are, are coming back running. So, you know, you have the East Coast with the Haskell over the summertime in July and the Pegasus Stakes. Then in the Midwest, you're going to have options with the Matt Wynn, which will be next Saturday, along with the Indiana Derby, the hopefully rescheduled Bluegrass, and then the Ellis Park Derby. And then out West, you're going to see the Los Alamitos Derby, the Santa Anita Derby, and the Shared Belief Stakes. And so that's what we have right now as the race is on the road to the Derby. We aren't sure what's going on in New York yet, but obviously when they are able to start running again and, and their racing secretary, Martin Panza, comes out with their stake schedule, we'll plan accordingly, but... You know, I feel like everyone was waiting for the decision-making in New York because of how many of those high-powered three-year-olds go to Saratoga over the summers. And so you just really didn't know that going into this new planning stage for the road to the Derby. And then throw in the other two Triple Crown races, which the Belmont Stakes, which is an unknown date right now, and the Preakness, which hasn't been officially confirmed yet, although there's been rumors swirling and some you know, false news reports as they... Uh, or unconfirmed news reports, as I should say. So if either of those other two Triple Crown races run prior to the Kentucky Derby, they'll be worth 150 points to the winner. And uh, so that'll get added to the schedule as well. And looks like I read a, a, a headline, well, uh, a little while ago that NBC is going to announce live of when uh, the Preakness will be run. So that'll be, you know, if it'll be that October time frame, then that obviously won't be on the road to the, road to the Derby. But if the Belmont Stakes was to be run in June or July sometimes, and that would end up getting added onto the road to the Derby. So it's, uh, you know, it's interesting. We're all trying to, to figure out how to get to that first Saturday in September, but, you know, horsemen now can plan the races accordingly, even though there are some dates not tied to these new races yet. Uh, but it's, it's good for the trainers involved because they really only had a couple of races on their calendar that they could point these three-year-olds to. And uh, that's one of them is going to be next Saturday's Matt Wynn. So that'll kick things off for this new and adjusted road to the Derby series. Yeah, I'm really waiting for uh, the information I get. And, and, and I hope that 
you know, New York doesn't want to play, you know, we're the big bear and we're going to do what we want to do. I, I hope they'll play ball because, you know, having a race named the Midsummer Derby, <laughs> it's got to be a points race, but they've got to move it, you know, um, you know, to a point that it could almost be the major springboard. I mean, because you always get uh, the, the top three-year-olds. I mean, uh, I've been at the Travers when the winner of the Derby, the Preakness, the Belmont, uh, they were separate winners that year, were all in the Travers stakes. I mean, that's how important that race is. And I, I just think it would uh, just frame up perfectly, you know, the scenario for those horses to settle a score back at Churchill Downs on Labor Day weekend. So I really hope that uh, that New York is flexible with their, their bigger three-year-old races uh, so that ho- those horses can become eligible to uh, be in the Kentucky Derby. And I pray that nobody schedules a race, you know, w- within two weeks of, of Labor Day that would be a key three-year-old race. Uh, just to, you know, we all got to be flexible in this situation because it's never happened to us before. And, and I just pray that happens. And uh, should it, it this is going to turn into just a fantastic Kentucky Derby. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the overarching thing, like I said, is we want the best 20 horses in that starting gate. And, uh, you know, it's, it's different now because obviously there's all those trainers and owners that invested a lot to get those horses points to aim for the first Saturday in May. So you don't really want to discount those horses, but you have to have in the back of your mind that you want the top three-year-olds on Labor Day weekend. You don't want them to have sort of that regressing form. And that's what we saw when the road to the Derby was instituted in the first place in 2013 is really a key on recent form and awarding those races closest to the Derby the most points because that'll allow the most, the, the top 20 horses into the gate that have the best recent form to, to duel it out on the track. And so you're sort of, you know, have to think about this as maybe this is like the January time frame here in, in May and uh, the Matt wins getting things kicked off. And then obviously things will ramp up as it does in February, March and the first week in April to, uh, to lead into the Derby. And so we're just starting to get to that process right now, but, we're also seeing different animals. As you know, the three-year-olds can mature at different times of the year. And so I think we're seeing uh, some horses that weren't even planning on running in the first Saturday in May that could mature and, and could peak at the right time that would be in the Kentucky Derby picture that we didn't even think of a couple of months ago. Well, have you heard from anybody that there's going to be a new rule written that uh, there's a legal limit on the amount of horses Bob Baffert can have in the race? <laughs> I mean, this guy is unbelievable. <laughs> Every time I read a headline, he has a new superstar in his barn. It's just unreal the amount of top three-year-olds that this guy trains. He's, you know, the greatest. And uh, it's it'll be interesting once all of his three-year-olds, if they, you know, lead into the first Saturday in September, finally come through and come to fruition and see how many he ends up in the starting gate and, and finally them duking it out together because we saw the split division of the, the Arkansas Derby when hypothetically his top two three-year-olds were in separate races and waiting for them to go against one another and, and then add in a couple of other names that he has waiting in the wings. This guy just is loaded for bear. Yeah, well, that's the good thing about the added points race is he can try to keep his horses away from beating each other and still getting this uh, gate 
uh, over Labor Day weekend. That'll be fantastic. Well, uh, Kevin Kirstein, thanks a lot, man. You've been a font of knowledge, and uh, I will be watching this weekend and keeping an eye on that starting gate uh, to see if Billy Conley loads his buddy Perry Utes uh, in the gate, uh, almost a historic occasion of its own sense. Yes, absolutely. I'm I'm so excited. Glad to see him in town riding and back in the saddle again after, you know, being told that he can never ride again for the 28th time or whatever. <laughs> and it's, it's an honor to be able to watch him ride. That's great. Well, Kevin, thanks a million for joining us. Uh, you've been fantastic. And obviously, with all things uh, changing, this won't be the last time you're on the show. I thank you very much. Absolutely. Best of luck this weekend. Thank you very much. And over this weekend, because of all the great racing at Churchill Downs, I, I brought in a seer, a, one of the best Kentucky handicappers that I know, and that would be none other than Ed Meyer. So we're going to take a quick break, get your pens and paper out, and write down the horses that this guy's about to give you. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me, a man that has worn many a hat at the racetracks, and I know because he used to steal a lot of them out of my drawers at Riverdowns during hat giveaway days. Uh, Ed Meyer, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, but I'm even 
I'm even better now that others know that I was in your drawer stealing hats. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I, I thought it was our secret, but now it's out. No, that head's too tiny, buddy. <laughs> you, need, you need something that'll stretch out. But anyhow... <laughs> Uh, remember, this is a family show, so we. Oh, uh, my apologies. <laughs> uh, that's okay. No FCC regulations here, baby. There we. Don't, you're right. Don't worry. How you holding up in this uh, bizarre world of ours? John Bizarre Land uh, is doing okay by me, and uh, I'm starting to see the racetracks uh, open up one by one, and I'm looking forward to Churchill Downs. I think the rest of the world awaits with bated breath. You know. It's it just it seems like racing when Churchill runs. It seems like this time of year. Now we're we're lacking the Derby, but you know this Saturday it feels like a little bit of normalcy is coming. Is it seems like each and every day we're seeing different states talking about different openings. Hey, you know what? Racing's back, so uh, this cat's doing pretty good. I like it. I like it. You know, Ed, uh, because you know you know what they have like. Uh, 171 horses entered at Churchill on Sunday, uh, 11.9 horses per field. I, I, I'd like you to teach our audience, because I, I know that you've been a racing official and you've also worked in uh, in racing offices. We, 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 we're going to be seeing uh, in the days ahead uh, so many also eligibles. And I want to talk about or have you explain how horses end up on the also eligible list is it the the you know money one the fact that they fit the conditions is it the the date that they entered their horse how does that ferret itself out because we're going to see a lot of it you know you'll get your starting gate of 12 horses those are your 12 entries that are running now if anybody up till the day of the race they're eligible they will go right on down. There's other horses that say, no, scratch me for another date. But, John, it has to do with the racing date, of, of actually who has the best racing date in the AEs. And when they, when they factor out, it's only – and basically, if you think about it, it's the only fair way. So it, it, it draws back to a racing date of who actually can draw in. There have been a bevy of runners that, that, that have had the, the, lucky, uh, the lucky match uh, to draw into the body of the race after somebody, you know, had a defect for whatever reason, let's say a fever or, you know, just, uh, just you know, not, not feeling well that day. But, uh, yes, it, it, you'll see four AEs, and when you see races like that, you can, see, you can probably bank on there's eight to ten that are excluded beyond the AEs, which means there are a monster load of horses. Well, I mean, that explains how horses get into a race. I want to know how you get why you were on the also eligible and why there are 12 horses already in front of you in line. Those are done from a blind draw. And they shake out a pill out of a, out of a, out of a hopper and number one, and they draw them in reverse. So the, we'll say one of the, uh, one of the racing officials back in the office and there's a steward that is actually overseeing the whole process. They're drawing them out blindly. Number one is Chewy Slew. And then they'll say, okay, number seven. And they'll say, well, that's, you know, John's colonel. And then he's number seven. And then that's how you build the body of the race. Now the rest, the AEs, are dependent upon uh, dates. And, and they're horses that didn't get their name pulled out of the pillbox. But right. then they, okay. 
It, it goes. It goes. That's how you build your other four, and and only out of fairness, you just can't do it out of random for that. But uh, they they do uh, they do pop them in for the AEs. Okay. Well, I hope that clears it up for some people that have asked me, and they say, you know what, I'm going to ask a guy that knows a lot more than me, and that would be my friend Ed Meyer. Um, well, it, this is going to be interesting because. Um, we're going to see some price horses is my prediction, A, because of the full fields, but B, because these horses who have been dying for starts are coming in from everywhere, then factor in this jockey colony uh, that would normally be riding big races you know, on the east and west coast, and now they're all – in Louisville, Kentucky. This is going to be a real handicapping challenge in the weeks ahead. Oh, in fact, it is. I mean, as tracks open up, you're going to see different jockeys shifting tack. Today, I, I saw a Southern California trainer that he, he Ron Ellis and uh, brother-in-law to Marty McGee and Paul McGee. Yeah. And uh, in Southern California trainer through and through, you seldomly see him take a trip to Northern California, but today he did. I just happened to be watching Golden Gate, and I caught a five-to-one shot that was trained by one Ron Ellis. And, uh, you know, $2 on a 5-to-1 shot isn't bad dinkum. That's 12 bucks back. And you know what? Ron makes very few trips there. And when he comes to Kentucky, you can actually even double that bet because he's, he's got an astronomical amount with a very, very small sampling. So, anyway, you're catching a lot of trainers, riders, that they're, they're shifting their tack where the action is. Once everything kind of settles out, John, and I heard your guest prior talking about a little bit about New York with you, when everything kind of settles out here, and, we, and oh, once the dust settles, you'll see people in, in their proper places. But, man, oh, man, does Churchill have some nice riders, and they've got a few nice runners. For the opening day, I'm very pleased. Well, it's just as if handicapping isn't hard enough as is, is adding a whole new layer to how we have to look at the horses in each race. And also, I alluded earlier to a really great horse like Get Stormy that's coming out of a grade one win, I believe, and is now going to run in a $75,000 race at Gulfstream. And the classic example of that is the fourth race at Churchill on Saturdays, and optional claiming race that has last year's champion girl coming out of the Breeders' Cup, Monomoy Girl. You're going to see more and more of that. Oh, you really are. I mean, optional claiming 80 is a stiff competition there. It's not winners of four races or claiming price of $80,000. And then you have your age breakdowns for getting a weight break if you're a three-year-old. You know, you're, you're carrying a few less pounds. But, John, you talked about Monomoy Girl, been off for right about a little over a year. And after an impressive win in the Breeders' Cup distaff, Monoboy Girls 4-5 to five is the daughter of Tapazar for the red-hot Brad Cox Barn, winning 25%. Most of his action was at fairgrounds. But Monoboy Girl is 4-4 four for four in the money with three wins over the Churchill Strip. You're getting 4-5 to five with Laurent Giroux. These guys are almost 30% together as a team. I mean, it's going to be a whole lot of fun to watch, uh, watch a gal that's been off for a year and is going to be looking for, what about her eighth straight race uh, as far as a win? 
Yeah, I mean, minus the DQ against uh, Midnight Bisu when she finished in front of her in the cotillion at Parks and then got taken down. But she was kind of drifting in and out that race. We won't even go down that road again. But, you know, basically, yeah, she she's won eight her eight last races or finished first in her last eight races. And all of them were grade ones or grade twos. All I can say is she totally forgot that year she took off, Ed, because she has been tearing up Keeneland. I got to guess Brad Cox has been putting heavier and heavier riders on her to try to get her to slow the heck down, but she won't do it. So uh, four of her last five works have been bullet efforts. It's amazing. Love to see that. And take a look at the timelines. When you see that line in between dates, that's 30 days or more. Some of them are, are significant. And as I said, for the last race that Breeders' Cup Distaff was on November 3rd, 2018. I mean, Monomoy Girl coming back, Brad Cox, he wins about 20% off of extended layoffs. But, John, I'll tell you what, this is a big ask. But I think this gal is more than up to the task. I bet you'll get four to five. Uh, four to five w- would be nice. Uh, obviously, the odds maker knew who the main competition is, <clears throat> and that would be Talk View to me and Lady Kate. I did notice that uh, uh, Rudolph Brissett, uh is no longer training Talk View to me, and she's now in the barn of Steve Asmussen, uh, although uh, Rudy, as they call him, uh, did a damn good job with that horse. Uh, you know, earning uh, half a million dollars with her, it'll be interesting. But the the thing I've noticed that what Asmussen's done with her is uh, <clears throat> very consistent. Five furlong works, but none of them blistering. Almost like he's just putting some bottom in her and getting her ready. Uh, this is a one mile race. Uh, she's only raced that once, and uh, she was, uh, you know. Uh, uh, second in that race. So it'll be interesting. Anyhow, producers saying you guys are getting long winded. If you're going to do any other races, you better do it right now. So let's move on to the eighth race. Ed, uh, had a hard time finding a standout in here. Although I, I find this Tankerville kind of interesting. I noticed Billy Mott's got a couple of horses, uh, in on Saturday, and this is one of them that had been racing in Europe. Dermot Weld was training, you know, he's like the D Wayne Lucas of, uh, the other side of the pond and, uh, Mott's going to have that one at six to one. Did you find anybody here that stood out? Cause I couldn't. Well, I'll tell you what, it's so funny. We haven't even talked. We haven't even discussed anything. And I, Tankerville's my top pick. Son of oh. Kids Joy, they're going to go a mile on the turf. You're getting first-time Lasics coming from Tipperary over in Ireland, John. The two of those, now they're supposed to have a little bit of rain on Friday evening and maybe a little bit of rain Saturday uh, afternoon, later afternoon, possibly even after the conclusion of the card. But So there's going to be some cut to the ground. Take a look at those two. To a, a win in a very close second, wherever a good and a yielding course there in Ireland, Johnny Velasquez aboard for Bill Mott, who I have the greatest respect for, in his damn star former, has two turf winners from two starters, to her credit, and one of those is a stakes winner. I'm all aboard at 6-1. to one. Hey, once again, great minds think alike, or, or I think we've just been handicapping too long together, but I love Tankerville, and man, I'll tell you what, I, I thought I had a secret there at 6-1. to one. 
Well, it'll be hard to come up with the same horses in the 10th race, full field, going seven furlongs. But what I like is that distance and horses that have performed well at that distance. Uh, right now, <clears throat> great odds on all of them. I like two four-to-one shots. I like uh, a Portrait, trained by Brad Cox, and I like Misty 2, uh, who's written by Johnny V and trained by Bill Mott. Have we heard that before? So those are the two that came up to me in this race. How about you, Edmire? I'm just going to say ditto to Portrait. That's my top pick. Another Brad Cox trainee who just missed as a beaten favorite at Fairgrounds on February 14th. But on that beaten favorite angle... He comes back and scores 30%. Portrait at 4-1 to was my top pick. And then rounding out my exact, it was the eight, four graces. Now, I saw her first run at Gulfstream Park on March 1, where she won by a length and a half. It was very workmanlike. I really liked it. Ian Wilkes, trainee, and uh, Chris Landeros, his son-in-law, rode it the very next time, going a mile. But cutting back to a sprint, the seven furlong distance of a sprint, I think that... That sprint route sprint angle is really going to play here. Coming right back from a mile to seven furlongs might play right into her hand. Ian Wilkes, a very heady horseman. And this damn here, Ivory Embers, has five starters with five wins. I like it. I love it. I got to get some more of it. Yeah, I do have a check mark by four graces again. Uh, top speed figure and uh, the winning distance, seven furlongs. All right, got to pound this one out and let's move all the way to the 11th race ed and this is another one i just really had a hard time separating them but when in doubt on the turf i go to my man wesley ward and our man Geraldo corrales who had been riding on the ohio northern kentucky circuit when wesley ward sticks with the jockey there's a reason he likes this kid <laughs> once again you know, if, if it was, uh, if, if you were sitting right next to me, it would look like we, we copied off each other's paper in third grade. I saw the Cincinnati Trophy. I worked at Turfway Park all winter long and saw some really nice runners. Gerardo Corrales came from the Ohio circuit and only got better. He, he was like a, a fine wine. Only with age did this kid get better by the day. And when trainers would call up and they'd say, oh, who's, who's one of the hot guys that's you know kind of under, under the radar? And at the time, he was. I said, Gerardo Corrales. Well, by the time the dust settled, Everyone knew about this kid. Wins by eight and a half lengths on the poly track, going six and a half. They're going to cut back from six and a half to five and a half on the turf. I think this really weighs out for this daughter, uh, Caraconti. I, I really like her. I, I like four to one. I like Corrales aboard. I think he's a really good, he, he's a really underrated rainsman, John. He's young. And what, like you said, Wesley Ward, uh, you know, bringing in a runner. There's nobody that spots his runner in the smartest spot than Wesley Ward. Yeah, well, you know, I saw him win a $150,000 race up at uh, Mahoning Valley, of all places. But Tim Ham, very well-respected horseman, he told Agreed. me after the race, he said, John, he said, keep an eye on this kid. He said, I love him. And, you know, Tim usually rides the top jocks in the midwest circuit uh but he said this kid corrales is going to be going places and well he's going to churchill downs in the 11th race on a horse that ed meyer and i both like number four karak in the 11th right now listed at four to one like i told everybody we're going to get great odds it's going to be hard to handicap so go to winningponies.com pull down those easy win forms my man steady eddie thanks so much for joining me 
John, it's been a pleasure. I'm really excited with the racetracks opening. Hey, best of luck to your listeners listeners out there. Everyone be safe. I'll tell you what, racing is about ready to begin. It's almost post time, John. What are you waiting for? I love it. All right, that was Ed Meyer. I want to thank Kevin Kirstein. I want to thank my producer, Josh. And I'm getting out of here in time today. Yeehaw! Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america variety channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit VoiceAmerica.com. the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network it's and management. Every Saturday morning, listen for the Superstar Sports Talk Block on Voice America Variety. We've got the best programs. If you want to talk football, hunting, outdoors, racing, and more, the weekends belong to sports. And you'll find it every Saturday beginning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time. You'll hear